0: Friends, once again, my name's Mitchell Boone. I'm the senior pastor here at White Rock, and um, I'm glad you're here. If you've just kind of stumbled into worship, uh, found us on a stream, um, I am uh, truly uh, glad that you're here worshiping with us and hope you can uh, take some time to to process with us this, about what's happened this past week and come back and worship with us again in the future. As we've been saying in worship, I, I think we're trying to give um, the proper weight to the events of this past week. Uh, we realize, I realize it's been a difficult and trying week for all of us. It's been really hard to make sense of what has been happening. It's been hard to to find the right words to articulate how we're feeling. Uh, And I think, you know, at a a personal level, it's a reminder of um, how fragile the things that we hold so dear to us are. And and we often don't admit that to ourselves. and as news continues really to, to be reported and, and we gain more insight into what happened on Wednesday, it's clear uh, that there was um, an even darker side to the rioting and terrorism that we witnessed uh, at the Capitol on Wednesday. And so I think as we sit with all of it and we do our best to comprehend what is happening, um, I, like many of you, want something to do. I want some sort of action uh to 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 do to to live into i I want i want to help create change i i so desperately want some concrete steps in my own life so i can feel like um i'm working on myself and i'm making a difference in the world and and yet, uh, the juxtaposition is we still feel so overwhelmed and rather helpless by everything that's happening in the world, not only the political unrest, but the pandemic. Um, and so I think we have to balance these two things and recognize that, um, that doing something is going to be a challenge for us. Make no mistake, though, there, there is work to do, and I think... We, as uh, individuals and as a community, um, we must continue to dismantle racism um, in our own lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our churches, right? We must commit ourselves to being anti-racist wherever we can and however we can. We, we of course, need to continue uh, to work on our own issues, uh, particularly white folks, on, on white supremacy and how our understanding of race continues. Uh, to need work. Those are all things we need to do um, because I think Wednesday was a good reminder that the original sin of our country, that being racism, continues to plague our progress as a people. Not only as Americans, but for us in the entire world, we continue to deal and struggle with how we even begin to dismantle racist institutions and racist communities, Um, but I also believe that our work on race shouldn't leave us isolated, Um, and I think that that's really important for us to hear. I think we can get to a place where we, um, we feel so overwhelmed by that work that we retreat, We retreat into ourselves, or maybe if we get in a disagreement, you may be frustrated with me because of my political statements or whatever. We can actually like retreat into ourselves. And I think that that's a really bad place for us to go, especially as a people of faith. For we must continue to encounter folks who don't look like us, who don't vote like us, who don't speak like us, who don't love like us, Bank like us, travel like us, right? earn a living like us. We need diversity in our lives because the diversity that we see in the body of Christ is, um, is God's plan for us as a people of faith and for the church. And there's no doubt that the gap has become too wide between us and them. There are a lot of reasons for this, and there's no doubt that, um, most notably, it is the political rhetoric and discourse in our country. There's no doubt that the rhetoric of President Trump has uh, elevated this divide and created these camps of us versus them. Uh, But what happened on Wednesday has been years and decades in the making. Make no mistake about that. To blame one person is more convenient than it is to wrestle with the complexity of our country's issues around race and politics and class. We have to recognize that this has been um, going on for a very long time. And we must not lose sight that even the church, the, the Christian church, has indeed played a role in this. Because for far too long, the church... Has remained silent, especially the mainline denominations in our country. We have remained silent and we have calculated and we've recalculated and we've overcalculated the cost of speaking truth. I have done this. Generations before me have done this. We have refused to say what we need to say because of fear of repercussion i remember uh the the year i was first appointed as senior pastor here at white rock it feels like ages ago and as i've said many times uh, i struggled with really knowing what to do or how to do the job Um, i maybe i faked it well enough uh, that many of you are still here Um, but i remember i wrote an uh, uh, article for our newsletter when we were writing weekly articles um, and I was discussing the Occupy Wall Street movement right and I was really interested in the spiritual ramifications of the widening gap between the rich and poor and uh, of course like what happens when I write something that um, that seems or is political I get a lot of responses in my inbox and um, early on I allowed those responses really to end up muting um, my continued public and spiritual exploration of this widening gap of the rich and poor. I essentially bowed to the pressure to keep politics out of the pulpit and um, and so I remained silent and and I just I just want to point out that um, three weeks ago Forbes uh, put out um, an article where uh, it said that the 2,200 billionaires that live in all around the world, have amassed $1.9 trillion worth of wealth in 2020. The widening gap between the rich and the poor maybe has never been more stark than it is right now in the midst of a pandemic, right? And I say that to, to, to point out that our silence, our silence will not lead to justice. It will never lead to justice. And so, as a people of faith, we have, um, we have to find a way to speak the truth and love to all we encounter. Now, before some of you, I think, maybe get frustrated and turn off the live stream and, and draft an email to me, I want to say this, right? The, the church has always been political. We. Might not be very good at being political, but the church has always been political, right? The Spirit of God has a long history of calling the flawed but faithful to speak truth to power. Worldly power, political power, and the church in its existence. Our faith uh, that we claim is inherently political because we profess Jesus as Lord. Not politicians, not presidents, not parties, not Fox News or MSNBC pundits, right? We profess Jesus as Lord of our life. And we, as a people of faith, we must regain that peculiar and particular understanding of Jesus's role and Jesus's mission in the world And as followers of Christ, we must lean into that peculiar way of living here and now in a world that clearly, clearly is struggling. The world needs the church. And so to that end, as we struggle with what the most... um, appropriate steps are for us as a people of faith, and specifically as this church, White Rock United Methodist Church, I want to tell you uh, there is good news for us this morning. And that good news is the church remains the greatest hope we have for social change in the world. And I'm going to say it a little louder for those in the back. The church remains the greatest hope we have for social change in the world i believe that if i didn't believe that i wouldn't be in the pulpit i fundamentally believe that the church's role in the world can be reclaimed in such a way that justice and mercy will indeed flow down like water and that we can restore and participate in the transformation of our neighborhoods alongside our neighbors. And I think the reason why I believe that, and I want you to believe that, is because when we as a people of faith are in right relationship with God, with our neighbors, and with ourselves, literally nothing is impossible for us as a church. That's the whole point of this series, essentially. Love local is this idea that once we become aligned with God's desire for our life, once we become, uh, um, we understand how to be in relationship with our neighbors and how we can. Um, Love ourselves in the midst of all this we begin a transformational process that allows us to move forward Towards that end goal that we as wesleyans have that being that we will be made perfect in christian love That's what we profess as wesleyans That there is this process of sanctification that can occur in our lives that we can actually get better at this thing Not because of our own doing because of god's grace and we when we are properly aligned. When we're loving God, loving neighbors, and loving ourselves, we participate in the transformational work of the church, which I believe is still the greatest possibility for social change in our world. The church, our church, specifically White Rock United Methodist Church, in 2021, we must recommit ourselves to the Wesleyan work of investing in our own personal holiness, our own spiritual disciplines, our own right relationship with Christ, and we must invest in the social holiness that God desires to see uh, come about our communities and our world. The marriage of those two things This personal piety and social holiness is a great opportunity for us to start this work right now. And we start this work by listening to Paul's words um, in his letter, his first letter to the church he planted in Corinth. Corinth is a, a port city. It's busy it's diverse, it's multicultural, and it has this kind of Greek worldview. And Paul plants a church in the midst of this community and hopes to bring about this transformation, both personal piety and social holiness. And here's what he says in the 12th chapter in this, uh, in this first letter. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Very Pauline way of saying I know what I need to say, and you need to listen to me. You know that when you were pagans, when you were not followers of Christ, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And now there are a varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another the discernment of spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues and all these are activated by one and the same spirit who allots to each one individually just as the spirit chooses this is the word of God for the people of god thanks be to god Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer, the one who is active in our midst. May we have the courage to listen, the boldness to respond, and may we we trust that you are moving in our midst. We know that that can lead us into some precarious situations. And let us give thanks. Amen. So obviously the church, I think, has struggled understanding how to make sense of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, I know, have uh, found White Rock via a Pentecostal tradition that uh, is no longer your own, but it is one in which you were introduced to the faith. And I've had conversations with you all about uh, what that was like growing up in a uh, charismatic tradition. And uh, for many of those who are in our congregation uh, who had that experience, it felt foreign because um, you were made to feel rather guilty for not possessing um, clear signs of being slain by the Holy Spirit, right? By being able to speak in tongues and um, and that charismatic tradition made you feel guilty and you carry some shame with you on your spiritual journey as you've tried to reconcile what it means to be loved wholly by God uh, and not uh, Show the signs that that some of our traditions demand Um, And and I think it's easy for us mainline folks to kind of giggle at uh, And and be rather judgy honestly about traditions that have a Radically different understanding of how the holy spirit moves in our church But uh, the truth is uh, mainline churches methodist churches We aren't any better at understanding the holy spirit in fact the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, they they make us a bit nervous, and 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 any time we may see uh, it start to bubble up, we we probably try to sweep it underneath the liturgical rug, right? And so uh, I say that to 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 really point out that. For for a long time, the church has not really understood very well how to make sense of the Holy Spirit. I guess we can chalk that up to being God is difficult to understand sometimes, and God's desires for our life and for our world often run counter to how we understand our own faith. And so I want to shift ourselves not f- not, I don't want to spend too much time, I'll say, uh, trying to distinguish what, what is valid uh, and, and what is invalid by, by making claims about how the Holy Spirit shows up in our lives. But I, I do want us to focus on this idea of giftedness because I think it's maybe the most important thing, right? We all carry a certain amount of gifts with us. And normally, I think we think in giftedness in terms of someone being really, really good at something which is true, uh, you know, uh, when, when we watch Rebecca uh, lead in worship, we can all say, Rebecca's really gifted as a worship leader, or when we hear Sandy singing in the choir, we can say, uh, Sandy's really gifted with a voice, and and so we are making a distinction that Rebecca and Sandy are better at those things than, than we are, right? That's true, um, but w- it, I guess we would never really say, like, Phil's really gifted at drinking coffee, right? Like, he drinks a lot of it, and he is good at it, but we all can be pretty good at drinking coffee if we want to, right? So there is this understanding that giftedness does equate to being uh, talented, to having the abilities that some of us do not possess, and I think that makes sense. Um, But over the past decade, I I, want to— I want to tell you that there's someone in our church, his name's John. Uh, John shows up at our church all the time to fix stuff, right? That's what he does. He fixes things. And so not only is John gifted in being, um, having the ability to fix things, John is also gifted at uh, answering our phone calls when we call and ask him to fix things. And so John will show up day in and day out. Uh, He's essentially on call. Uh, If a sprinkler head's busted out in front of the church, we call John, and he'll come up here and help us fix it or locate wherever the shutoff is, right? If one of the outdoor lights malfunctions, we call John, and he'll get up on the roof, and he'll fix it. Um, You get the picture. And we do it all the time because John is gifted at fixing these things, and he has a desire to serve his church in, in this way. But it would be really weird, I think, for us as a church if we received everyone into membership, and we said, you have to know how to fix a leaky urinal like John does. Right? It, that would be strange if we said, uh, here are the membership vows and here's a monkey wrench. And you need to prove to us that you can do both of those things, right? Fix plumbing and take the membership vows. Obviously, that's strange. We do not need a church where everyone has the same gifts. That is not uh, what allows us to flourish as God intends. We just need some of us to possess some of the gifts. And so Paul knows this, and he's writing to this young church that has gone the way of the world, let's say, where they have elevated uh, certain people's abilities over the abilities of others. And so he's writing to Corinth to try to flatten that hierarchy that is emerging within the community. So Paul, in this very Pauline way, lists some pretty awesome abilities. There's wisdom and knowledge and faith and discernment and speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues and miracles and prophecy, right? The point of this list is, um, is that, yeah, it makes sense that everyone has different gifts. But what's really important is we flatten the hierarchy and realize that we all contribute to the common good of the community And no one's gift is more important than the other. Essentially, Paul's argument is, we need everyone in the body of Christ. We need everyone (laughs) to participate fully in the life of the church. So if we get very specific about us here at White Rock, if you're a member or you're a long-term guest or you're committed to this community, we need you to participate in the life of the church because god has gifted you with very specific things that can help the commonality and the common good of our church we need you seriously paul's writing though i think really begins to shock me as i started thinking about all these gifts. Paul even says that faith is a spiritual gift. If we meditate on that for a second, we all, I think, believe that we need a certain amount of faith to justify ourselves, to make sense of what God is doing in our lives. We all believe that we need a certain amount of faith to call ourselves Christian, but here Paul is saying, no, uh, faith in and of itself is a spiritual gift. As individuals, we think we need to have that perfect amount, that perfect quantity. But Paul lumps faith in with other gifts that are allotted to some for the good of the whole. I'm not saying faith isn't important. It certainly is. But I am pondering what it means for God to give the proper amount of faith to a community. Not to us as individuals, but to a community of faith. When we begin to, to see that, to see what Paul is saying, I think it really <laughs> opens the doors for us to see how much we are tethered together and how much we need each other, especially in times like this. It is hard to keep the faith. And there are days in which m- keeping the faith for me uh, is almost impossible. Others of you, You are very faithful people. And I need to be in relationship with faithful people so that I can be a part of a community that continues to keep the faith regardless of what is happening in the world when we begin to see that God has given us all these gifts for the common good, we begin to realize how much we, our spiritual growth and maturity, and our work in transforming and being a part of the flourishing of our neighborhoods, it is all dependent on our ability to be in this thing together. I need you, and I hope you realize you need one another. It allows us, then, if we get there, if we can really begin to ponder and practice what Paul is saying. It leads us to this really, really important question. Do we actually wake up every day believing that about our own church? Do you believe that here at White Rock, we have everything we need to live out our mission and ministry? Are we lacking in anything here at White Rock? Don't you, like me, believe that we have all we need to be the church that God is calling us to be? And if your answer, like mine, is yes, I do believe that, then the question is, well, what do we do about it? Right? What's next? And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be focused on our discipleship plan. It will be invitational in nature for you to make another step into the deep spiritual waters of this church. We are committed to providing opportunities for you to begin recognizing or imagining your role here at White Rock United Methodist Church because you are gifted, and the gifts that you possess may not be known. They may have been dormant, or you may need to feel seen and heard before you offer them to the church. But whatever has been holding you back, we are praying that 2021 will be a year where we as a community can begin offering our gifts, whatever they are, and as varied as they are to the common good of our work in the world. Our goal is to move into deeper waters. And I know you're going to say, well, how are we going to do that? And we're going to roll it out over the next six weeks because we really believe that That we're going to be intentional and be very pragmatic in how we, speaking of mainline squashing the movement of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be very intentional and pragmatic in how we invite people, right, to recognize their gifts and their giftedness. But we are not going to be shy from us, um, I think over and over, saying we are given all that we have by God uh, and it is for the common good. It is not for your individual edification. We are given everything we have for the common good, for God's work in the world. And in a culture that promotes this rugged individualism, Paul's understanding and notion of the church is truly countercultural for us. That was true for Corinth, and it is true for us here at White Rock United Methodist Church. So when we see our role, our abilities, and even our profession of faith as a gift, when we utter, as Paul writes, that Jesus is Lord, and claim it for ourselves and community, we do it because God's grace is so present in our lives we can't help but respond. So we will wrestle with how we deal with the past week and we will struggle with how we make sense of it and what we will do. But I invite you to, to think about what does it look like for us to invest our time and energy into the work of the church? And if we're really gonna do that, it starts by recognizing that, there, that we are bound to one another and all that we have and all that we can do and all that we profess All of it is a gift gift from God. A gift for the common good. It is all a gift that can be used here at White Rock. In fact, being in this community, being in relationship with you, is indeed a gift.